Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today, John Shea, the Chronicles national baseball writer, and I break down the A's 2019 season and the wildcard loss to the Rays. We'll look at the decision-making for that game and also next season, what fans might have to look forward to, particularly with the rotation and some of the off-season moves that might be in the works. All of that next on Ace Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's a season wrap-up edition of the A's Plus podcast. Uh, Unfortunately for A's fans and for the A's team, uh, Susan Slusser, the A's beat writer from the Chronicle, and I'm joined by John Shea, our national beat writer, who is also at the Wednesday's wild card game, the loss to the Rays. Um, John, what do you make of this? Uh, yet another wild card loss for the A's. That's three wild card games for the A's. They have not won any of them. And of course, I think everybody now knows the, you know, the record in uh, clinch games. The A's have won only one of their last sixteen of those. Uh, and in winner take all games, they, they've lost nine in a row, which is a major league record. Do um, you have just sort of any thoughts in general about that and this sort of continued disappointment? You mean other than we don't have dinner plans in Houston tonight? <laughs> That's true. So sad. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, the A's got the A's got a tough draw uh, again in this in this wild card business. I mean, in, in Kansas City, obviously they they played a team that was hot and zoomed through the postseason. Um, and played the Giants in the World Series, and then that was kind of a springboard to winning it all in 2015. So the Royals were real. I mean, they just came back and came back and came back, and finally the A's lose in extra innings. And then in, in New York, it was a tough draw because it's New York. It's a tough place to play. And even afterward, uh, Liam Hendricks was suggesting all of that, that he heard the crowd, that it was loud, that it was thunderous, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, he had a great September, but uh, likely it, it, it got to him. He gave up two runs in that first inning. And then Sean Manaya, who admits in the press conference the day before that he will be nervous. Uh, I mean, these are kids. There are a lot of untested people that are thrown out there. John Lester was not untested in that 14 game, but he was still around in the eighth inning. Uh, by today's standards, he'd probably be done after six. But uh, that's when they lost it, in the eighth and ninth, and then in extras. But uh, Manaya um, wasn't the same. Uh, he was elevating the fastballs, and they were hittable, and they hit a lot of deep fly balls, and three of them went out on his watch. So it's 
I mean, meanwhile, Mike Fires has been uh, standing around watching all of this. And I wanted to ask you, what about Fires? Were you totally supportive of the move to start Manaya and last year Hendricks? And should Fires have started either of these two games? I thought Fires should have started last year. I was never on board with the opener. That might sound easy to say in retrospect, but... Um... You know, just I remember watching how confused the whole opener thing made, not just the guys who were opening. Uh, Hendricks got somewhat comfortable with it, and he did okay in September, but obviously it was uh, not great in, in the wild card game. But the guys who followed seemed to really uh, struggle with it uh, for the most part, except for Daniel Mangman kind of figured it out, and then he was not the follower in the wild card game, and uh, that baffled me. So. Uh, yeah, I just thought that that was a little bit of a misfire. The problem with the opener is if a guy comes out and he doesn't have it, you're behind the eight ball. Now, that's exactly what happened with Shamanaya, but I thought Shamanaya was absolutely the right move. I know it's been debated, um, but Shamanaya, first of all, he's left-handed, and that's the smart move against Tampa. Um, you you really want to um, you, you want them putting more left-handed hitters into their lineup uh, rather than some of their, their big... Uh, uh, sorry, you want more of the right-handed guys instead of their big left-handed guys. So um, that's the right move on paper. And Manaya was magnificent in September. Mm-hmm. He gave up four hits the whole month that scored runs. Four hits. Uh, now, obviously, he does that in, in one game, essentially yesterday. But uh, everybody can have an off night. It's different. There's adrenaline. You just don't know what you're going to get. Mike Fires did not have a great September. He had a very rough outing uh, at Houston. Then he had the game where he came out in the first, uh, the second inning with a little zinger down his arm. Then he turned in a good one, and then he had another okay one. It, I think if you're the A's, you, if you're going with a left-hander who's also the not just the hot hand, the extremely hot hand, I got no problem with that. If you start Mike Fires and Mike Fires gives it up, I think there's far more of an uproar yeah. uh, than going with the guy who's been your best pitcher for the last essentially month. And and you're comparing uh, the best pitcher for the last month versus the best pitcher for the whole year. Uh, just to counter that, you know, Fires the veteran. Um, he was the most consistent pitcher all year. Maybe take away September. And yeah, I, I spoke about tough draws and mentioned Kansas City and New York. Well, Tampa Bay started a guy, Charlie Morton, who's probably going to finish third in the Cy Young voting behind those two studs in Houston. And this guy was not sharp, but he got out uh, of every jam, um, except for one. There was an unearned run when Marcus Simeon scored. But otherwise, you know, five innings of uh, no earned runs. And what was it, five to one when he left? So it, it, uh, that's a big difference maker, and that's what the A's did not have. They did not have a veteran who could be a lights-out guy. Um, and so many of these wild-card games, I mean, across the Bay, they just keep throwing Bumgarner out there, and the Giants are 2-0 and in those games. Uh, New York and Pittsburgh, uh, you know, he won both of those on the road, uh, pitched deep into the game, and, you know, lights out. But in the A's case, they have so many young pitchers. And I asked Bob Melvin after the game, I said, uh, I pretty much asked him, I said, do you think any of these projected starters for next year? And, and yeah, it's going to be deep with Luzardo and Puck and Montas, uh, uh, Manaya and, and, and Fires. Um, yeah, you know, could any of those guys uh, be a guy who uh, could win this game next year? Um, and he said, yeah, Manaya could and Fires could. And I said, well, hold on. What, why didn't you throw Fires uh 
basically, uh, uh, you know, this was right after the game. He hardly had a chance to exhale, and we're talking about 2020. And um, he said, well, you know, Fires was a candidate, and Manaya was a candidate. They're both qualified. We, we picked Manaya. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, Fires so wouldn't, wouldn't have been a bad choice. Would he evolve. Maybe, yeah, maybe one of these guys would evolve to that guy who could go five, six, uh you know, no runs, one run uh, situation. I mean, I, I imagine all five of those guys could be qualified at some point. Well, let, let me play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. His best pitcher, really, probably on the field last night, was Jesus Lazardo. Should they have Thank started you. him? I mean, he's not a veteran. <laughs> if they're in the same situation next year in a wild card game, and he's their best pitcher all year, and he's a rookie, do you go with him? Or do you go with Mike Fires next year? Uh, you know, I, I love Luzardo, and maybe he should have started. Maybe he should have started if he gave you if he was going to give you three scoreless like he did in the wild card game. Uh, th- that's plenty these days for a starter. Give me three scoreless and get up. We'll bullpen it the rest of the way. It's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's really really hard for anybody. I think you can debate it. Fires versus Manaya. Absolutely, but I don't think anybody could say it was a bad decision to start a guy right. who was four and zero with a one two one ERA in the, the whole previous yeah. month and left-handed, which is which is the right play against Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, the A scored one run, so right, and it was yeah. under. Okay, so let's move on to that. <laughs> the offense. What happened there yeah. the last week and a half? I mean, there were guys who were banged up. Nobody wanted to use that as an excuse. I tr- I dug as hard as I could. Uh, the closest I got to anybody even saying, yeah, maybe it was an issue was Ramon Laureano kind of going like, like going like, eh, I don't want to say anything. Right. Um, but you know what? A lot of guys playing on essentially bad legs, that, that hmm. it is not going to help your offense. Uh, and then there was a continued sort of lack of production and lack of really any threat from Chris Davis, which the A's compensated for for a very long time and i think mm. by the end of the season they just couldn't quite do it anymore a couple guys get cold and you don't have that big threat in the lineup uh that changes the complexion of things well you mentioned it bad legs and and because uh, they lost and it's the next day and we're monday morning quarterbacking and second guessing why did they have bad legs uh, marcus played every single game should he not have well, uh, Mar- Marcus wasn't one of the guys with bad legs. Mar- and also, Marcus was fine. He was on base and stuff. Um, uh, Chapman? Chapman had a lot of leg injuries. Be, yeah. yeah. I mean, Ramon, obviously. Sat out? About. Yeah. Canna. Did they have staggered his games a little more? I mean, everybody uh, up and down that lineup. Yeah. I mean, this is stuff I don't think it was avoidable. You know, these are guys we're going to have to play. You can't sit four or five. You know, you can't sit Canna, Loriano, and Chapman. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're going for a playoff spot. Not um, with Piscotti, yeah. Yeah, um, Pisc- yeah, exactly. Piscotti's also out. So uh, those three guys all playing on pretty significant injuries, you know, but playable, but probably not ideal. Not using any, none of them used them as an excuse. But, um, you know, you could you could look at both Canna and Loriano and see that they were not functioning 100%. Chad Pinder, who obviously didn't play in the, in the wildcard game, but um, he was dealing with a lot of leg things too. So this was a, it was a little bit of a team-wide thing. This is the time of year every team has got that stuff, mm-hmm. which is why the A's aren't using it as an excuse. I'm saying it's maybe one reason. I think mm-hmm. um, Chris Davis's just uh, continued funk was probably an even bigger one. Uh, and just, a, you know, a, a team gets into a, a team-wide struggle with runners and scoring position, and you get everybody pressing and trying to do too much. And, uh, you know, they, the bats 
don't get better. They get they tend to get worse as everybody tries to you know be swing a little more aggressively, which is sometimes the worst thing to do when it, when it, there's a team wide slump. So, yeah, bad timing. What did you pick out anything at all that you you thought stood out? Well, let me ask you about Chris Davis. He did not hit two forty seven. He did not hit forty home runs. He did not collect a hundred RBIs. What was it? He hit two twenty. 23 bombs, you know, uh, 73 RBIs, uh, and, and he was hurt. Uh, what do you think was his problem? What do you think of his body language? What do you think of his strike zone approach, uh, going out of the zone, going up high, going? You know, wh- what was wrong with him? And is that just a one-year fluke? Well, there were lingering suspicions, I think, all year that maybe he was still hurt um, because he just there was it was such a difference you know you it, you don't see a guy generally speaking going from nearly hitting 50 um to you know he he had essentially won over a, about a two month stretch uh he was hurt initially um but all the A's people absolutely flat out said he was not hurt by the end of the season but it's possible that those injuries changed his mechanics and i think you know the big contract signing an extension in april the A's do very few extensions uh I think that probably can get into a guy's head. I'm, you know, okay, it's not fair to like for me to try to mind read, but you've got to think as things kind of, uh, you know, dip and and you try harder and harder, that's got to start to wear on you. A guy who signs a big contract wants to do more. He wants to do better. He wants to prove himself. Mm -hmm. Nothing drives me more crazy than fans who pop off on Twitter about like he signed his big deal and now he's just like stopped playing or he's just given up. I mean, it's absolutely always, uh, these are proud professionals um, yes. who are playing for something and playing for their teammates. There's nothing they want to do more. You know, they're trying way too hard a lot of times when they sign big deals. Um, so I think there was something to do with that. And at some point when it kind of spirals the way it did on, on Chris, it's got to just like the confidence has just got to go too. Bob Melvin said that today, his confidence was, was probably a little shaken as things got worse and worse. So they fully expect that he will be back and Chris Davis next year, 40 plus homers and hitting 247, uh, especially the two four. You know, he hit 247 before he went on the IL. That's what it, that was his Marcos when he went on to the IL, of go. course. So. I mean, Chapman, Olsen, anybody who gets in the funk, anyone else on the team can go out there and help the team on defense. But yeah. this guy can't. He's got to live with it for three innings. I struck out. I, I, I swung at a bad pitch. Uh, I wasn't in my zone. I wasn't. My mind frame was off. And he's got to think about it. He can't go out there with the glove and forget about it. He's right. got to live with it. He's got to wear it. And he's and a bet, sensitive guy. Yeah, he's a sensitive guy. He's a thoughtful guy. Um, he is not somebody who's just going to um, have an 0 for 4 and go like, okay, well, that's it. I'll come back tomorrow and I'll be fine. He, he He's probably going to brood on a little, little bit because, you know, he, he is a thinker. And uh, that's not always the, the best approach. So I think he needs to go clear his head. Um, work, certainly work on the mechanics if there were some flaws that, that snuck in there with the injuries. Uh, and uh, as Bob Melvin said, he, he, he has one down year. He's had three great years. You know, w- w- which are you going to look at? You're going to look at the three great. His track record is good enough that I, I think the A's are probably right in expecting that he's going to come back much more like the power hitting Chris Davis we all know. So if the rotation is going to look solid and deep next year as anticipated. I guess you could say the same about the lineup because nobody's leaving as a free agent. Marcus has another year. Um, the second base might be an issue. Uh, but otherwise, you know, with P- P- Piscotty healthy and, 
and Canna healthy and Loriano and uh, Pinder back healthy. Uh, the two corners. Um, it's and a new young catcher. I mean, that's a team that really doesn't need any offensive work, right? No, I don't. I think they're pretty well set. Uh, you know, they'll probably tinker a little bit. It will be interesting to see what they do at second base if they just go with Noisy and Barreto or um, Jorge Mateo. I think Jerickson Profar potentially is a non-tender or or trade mm. candidate. Uh, I think with both Barreto and Mateo being out of options, that makes that even more likely. Obviously, a disappointing season for Profar, um, though they certainly got better toward the end. Uh, and you know, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure they would go with two right-handed hitting catchers. Obviously Murphy's back getting a little experience, including in a playoff game. Um, he, he will probably be the primary catcher. I would not hate it if they went out and got a veteran left-handed hitting catcher, or even if they just brought Bo Taylor back and had him be the left hand. He's a very good option. I think as a, as a backup guy and put the A's pitchers love him. He's great in the clubhouse, but, um, you know, guess who's the free agent, Susan. Oh gosh. Who? Steven vote. Oh, let's do it. Let's just make that happen right now. <laughs> he loves the Bay. Oh my gosh. Bob Melvin would be so happy. Everybody would be so happy. <laughs> who wouldn't be happy? All the A's fans would be happy. I mean, what a great bounce be... back year too. I mean, this guy's oh, a future manager. One Maybe player. he replaces Melvin one day. <laughs> he, he does it all. He he was wonderful. Uh, he he won the Catfish Hunter Award all the time. Of course he the did. BBWA Good Guy Award, and uh, you know he was in the running uh, for both awards across the bay. Uh, the the guy hasn't changed. What a great bounce back year after uh, sitting out with Milwaukee last year. Yeah, I mean the, there was a lot of thought that that shoulder injury was going to be a career ender. That's tough for a for a guy who plays the positions he does. Um, and. Uh, I mean, I couldn't be happier for him. So yeah, sure, let's do that. I'm I'm all, I'm all on board the <laughs> Steve, the Stephen vote idea. You guys heard it here first from John Shea. I'll go with that. Um, what about the bullpen? Bullpen, interesting question. I asked today if they might do more of the bullpenning quite kind of thing. Obviously, no, Lizardo and Puck will be in the rotation, so I don't think mm-hmm. they'll be. But but I could see uh, not the bullpen, the piggybacking thing. But I could see Chris Bassett, who now probably doesn't have a spot in the rotation, or. Uh, you know, if, uh, several other potential candidates to be kind of like a petite, a guy who could come in and throw two innings, throw three innings. Um, you know, the A's thing with the opener and Tampa Bay when they started it was you don't necessarily want your starter going through the lineup more than twice. This is a way to mm-hmm. do it that makes just more sense to the way pitchers are sort of accustomed to doing things. So um, that's a possibility. Uh, I think that they uh, potentially will non-tender Blake Trinan or trade him. Actually, potentially more than that, I think they're likely to wow. non-tender or trade Blake Trinan. He's, He's going to so be expensive. He's going to be very expensive, um, just based on his previous year. Um, obviously, extremely disappointing season. Everybody knows what he did for the A's in 2018. That was one of mm-hmm. the most remarkable seasons by a reliever I've ever seen. Uh, he was almost at times single-handedly responsible for what the A's did in 2018, but he just was not the same guy this year. And, you know, he had some injuries. Was that it? I don't know. Was it overuse the previous year? I don't know. Was it overexposure the previous year? I don't know. Or was it the ball, as he suggested to me? You know, you and I worked on that story about the juice ball. Um, He just did not feel as comfortable throwing the ball. You know, that phenomenal sinker that he has was not getting the great movement he had, and a lot of sinker ballers kind of felt like that. So... Um, tons of potential reasons that he had a down year, but he was not the same guy. Lou Trevino was not the same guy, also finishes the season injured. 
Uh, as you reported, he slipped in the shower and broke a rib, kind of like an ignominious end to a forgettable season. If the A's could get Trevino back and decent, he is a good setup man. You know, if he can figure out what was going on, um, that that would be a big plus for the A's. But, but they they have a club option on Petit, and they they would be crazy not to take it. He's right. the most valuable reliever maybe in baseball, and he made 80 appearances this year. He's about to turn 35. Uh, I love watching him pitch. He's a team leader. I think that's an absolute no-brainer. And obviously, Liam Hendricks is is the closer. And you know, maybe they bring back Diekman or look for another left-hander. But uh, I I think they you know they they probably add a piece or two here and there. But I kind of like the piggybacking thing. I I've got no problem with that at all. So that's kind of what Tony Larusa started uh, with his uh, three-day nine-man rotation where. Everybody was supposed to go three innings every three days. I think it lasted one or two turns through, and it was just too new. Um, you know, maybe this is an option of that, though, where you go two or three innings, the next guy two or three innings, the next guy two or three innings. But you're right. You take Luzardo and Puck out of the bullpen, that was a couple of big holes. Yeah. Um, and and, and if, if you're projecting maybe Trinan doesn't come back, the all-star closer from last year. A remarkable job, by the way, of uh, putting a bullpen together without an all-star closer or uh, an incredible setup man from 2018 who had really nothing to do with the stretch drive or, or much of the season. Uh, and in fact, Trevino, I think, was hinting uh, of the ball as well you know, with this, this sinker pitch. Uh, um, and, and maybe they bring, you know, they haven't discussed that, but, you know, from the story we reported on this uh they, you know, it it is possible that they could bring the old ball back or a less juiced ball or something. It's something they will discuss in the off season. They're doing a bunch of studies and people are complaining, but they, you know, despite what they say, they must like the long ball because uh, it's exciting and you know the, the strikeouts, the walks, the home runs. It really slows down the game. You know, there's just not much uh, hitting the opposite way, two strike approaches, any of that stuff. Maybe it'll come back one day. But you look at the uh, uh, eight, nine, ten playoff teams, um, they're all home run hitting teams for the most part. And it used to be the top ERAs uh, were your playoff teams. Now they're the top uh, home run hitters. Those are your your playoff teams. That's just the era. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with that with that bullpen without uh, without those young left-handed studs and, and how they would round it out because really that was the strength in 2018. The rotation kind of took over this year more than it did last year. And, um, you know, I guess Soria's back and Petit has the option. Uh, I guess there's an option and that they'd have to exercise that, like you said. And, uh, it'd, be crazy. it'd be absolutely crazy yeah, not to. Of course, yeah. But uh, but you like you like uh, Liam as the closer. Yeah, I think he's – I don't okay. think he's done anything to lose the job. Certainly I think he goes mm-hmm. into the season as the closer. If he, if he wobbles, um, then maybe they have some uh, – decisions to make. J.B. Wendelkin um, has shown some promise uh, as a reliever. Um, you know, he's been up a few times now. He's gotten some time in. And like I say, maybe somebody like Bassett, maybe some of the other young arms that were at Las Vegas um, who are starters could be kind of those piggyback types, like a Parker Dunshee or, J- you know, a James Caprillion, who I think the A's would like to uh, maybe limit his innings somehow after all his injuries. So, um, yeah, I, I think the A's are, uh, you know, they're open to anything. If something works, they'll give it a whirl. 
for sure. Now you mentioned Major League Baseball and the the ball and, and et cetera. I had a chance to talk to Rob Manfred at the during the wild card game about the um, unusual lawsuit with the uh, city of Oakland suing to, to to stop the A's from buying the county's portion of the Coliseum land, which. Uh, as you know, the A's were hoping to buy the Coliseum land to develop it to fund a Howard Terminal ballpark. And I think it's always in the background as potentially a plan B should, you know, we know there are a lot of obstacles to a potential Howard Terminal ball, ballpark. Having that Coliseum land's not going to hurt in that respect either. Um, but uh, Rob Manfred was, especially with the timing, which right before the wildcard game and the A's hosting the wildcard game, he was he was very upset with it. And he said... He, he kind of hinted, like, MLB's been very supportive of this Oakland Stadium measure, but, y- you know, how much longer are we going to do that if the city is not behind it? We need the city to be behind this measure, not uh, promoting legislation against it. Uh, only in Oakland, right? I mean, they, they just they just can't get anything right. I mean, where else would the city and county be at odds and might be the reason their baseball team just takes off uh, and moves elsewhere. Who knows? I mean, we've been talking about this for decades, and maybe it'll be more decades before they ever leave the Coliseum. And maybe they will just rebuild at the Coliseum site. But, by the way, um, explain this to me. Why do the A's need to purchase the Coliseum property to help fund a ballpark when the Warriors didn't need to do that and the Giants didn't need to do that. They sold uh, licenses. Uh, they sold ballpark names. Uh, they they did up their suites. They made a bunch of money. Um, privately financed those two uh, stadiums and arenas. Why do the A's need help? Well, I think they have a chance to buy some pretty valuable property for probably less than its market value, which is essentially with a lawsuit is probably more about more than anything. Uh, it was about affordable housing, but the A's had part of the A's plan has always included affordable housing as part of a de- development scheme. Um, I mean, it's this, this is a way you can fund a ballpark without doing those other things you mentioned. Uh, and there will be other expenses. Howard Terminal is not going to be your average beast if they manage to get it built there. Uh, there is a massive toxic cleanup. Um, required. There is a lot of infrastructure, um, which I'm not sure that Oakland would be able to take on entirely um, with uh, transportation issues, the gondola, you know, possibly, you know, it's not, there are some things about the Howard Terminal site that are not necessarily ideal. I think they could be overcome. And I think there are a lot of pluses. I am not anti Howard Terminal. I am pro wherever the A's can get a freaking stadium built yeah. so they yeah. don't move to Portland or Las Vegas. I think, uh, uh, and when you hear the commissioner start saying it would be a tragedy if the A's of, uh, if the fans of Oakland lost all their pro sports teams, you start to go yeah. like, well, maybe you guys need to get it together and figure this out. However it works. If it takes the A's developing the Coliseum property and using that to fund Howard Terminal, fantastic. I don't care. Whatever, whatever happens. Um, and uh, if it's the A's staying at the Coliseum site and developing that and putting a stadium there, I think that would also that would be marvelous. I mean, it's been a great site forever. The old ballpark actually had lovely views. You put in a baseball-only stadium there and have a good team. I think you you draw just as well as you would at a, a small Howard Howard Terminal ballpark. I know the A's love the visuals and all of that, um, and a lot of people are excited about what it would do for Jack Linden Square, which is uh, more than viable. I think that would be a 
fantastic. That would be wonderful for Jack London Square. And I, I think that uh, if, if Oakland values that, they should be working toward that. If not, the Coliseum would be a great spot. Whatever happens to keep one of Oakland's mm-hmm. teams in town, I don't, I don't care. I don't care how they do it. Just, just get it done. And, and obviously, Oakland is dealing with, with crime and ho- homelessness, and they need money for schools. They need uh, more affordable housing, and all and all that. And you know, for the first time, reading your story that you reported uh, you know, before the wild card game with your interview with Rob Manfred, it's the first time I heard uh, some wavering. It, one of his lines: "It's gone on too long." Yeah. And all the conversations we we've, we've had with him, I think this is the first time. He's ever said that. He also said, we're hoping on this. Uh, used to be we're, we're confident about this. And he used to have all the patience in the world. It just seems like he's running out of patience. And I, I, this is going to be very interesting how the city and county and the A's figure this out with Manfred watching from 3,000 miles away because he has been good for the A's because he has let this thing play out. But for the first time, I see some hesitation, and that's not good for uh, A's baseball's future. He, he was clearly furious about the timing, absolutely furious about the timing. I mean, this is coming into a big event, first playoff game in Oakland since 2013, and, and have this dropped with all the effort that the team has made trying to move forward a stadium. Um, and things had been positive from the A's end to date. You know, all the, the legislation they've tried to get through to get permitting done quicker, more quickly, all of that stuff has gone well so far. Um, and this was a little bit of a bombshell um, with this with this lawsuit, sort of unexpected. It's, you know, it's tangential. It's the, it's the Coliseum site. It's not the Howard Terminal site. But if they feel they have to have the Coliseum site to fund it, um, rather than just, boy, this sure would be nice to have this piece of land at maybe a little bit of a reduced rate. Um, you know, if, if they have to have it, uh, or if they really need it really for their plan B, which they won't say, but it seems, um, you know, only reasonable to suspect that it might be. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange development and, um, hopefully cooler heads prevail and things work out. I think everybody would like, the A's to stay in Oakland and for Oakland to flourish as a city. Um, and if that's, if that's doable, if everybody can sit down and work out their differences, that is great. That would be some good government at work. Um, and I, I would 55,000, like 55,000 people, uh, you know, if the A's won the game, maybe they could, the team could have provided a little bit more momentum for this, uh, building more interest in the fan base and maybe the, you know, more, uh, uh, more eyes and ears with the TV and radio deals. Uh, you know, it would have been a good thing if the A's, for their sake, you know, got past Tampa Bay and maybe did some damage in Houston. But that would have been a, a tough draw as well. But uh, uh, here we are again. Well, you know what, the A's, I think the A's are set up for, no matter what, for a very nice window of contention. Um, you know, they've got the young core of infielders for another four years with Chapman and Olsen, um, Marcus Simeon, you know, if he signs an extension, that would be great. I don't know. That's going to be, it's going to be tough to keep certainly all three of those guys. Um, even two of the three is probably going to be a push for a team with, uh, the A's typical payroll, but, uh, they do set up well with that young pitching that's coming. So I think fans have a lot to look forward to in the next couple of years. And, uh, hopefully the stadium thing gets, 
uh, smoothed over quickly. You did a very, very nice piece, speaking of Chapman and Olson, about, uh, you know, they came up together, they've they've known each other forever, they've played together well, and I really liked it, sort of a Q&A with the two of them talking about each other. What did you uh, enjoy most about doing that story with the two of them? Yeah, I asked the same uh, number of questions to each guy. Matt, what do you think of his... Uh you know, best hit. Matt, what do you think of his best hit? Matt, what do you think of his best play? Matt, what do you think of his best play? And it was kind of a, a, a Matt on Matt story. And those guys love each other. It's unbelievable. They should. Um, I mean, uh, Chapman thinks that Olsen could develop into the one of the best first basemen in the history of the game. That's how much he loves him. And, uh, and Olsen says of Chapman, you know, there's nothing he, he can't do. But every day he surprises me still. Uh, I, I asked each, I said, who's the better defender? And what did they say? Him. And the other guy said, him. And it went, I, I, I expected that from Olsen. But Chapman, I mean, he, he was not only a gold glove winner, but the best overall uh, defender in, in the league last year. And I said, well, wh- why is Olsen a better defender than you? He says, well, it's, look at him. I mean, his footwork around the bag, you know, the, the, I play a glory position. I, you know, I, I make these throws. I have the range. and I do some, you know, uh, fancy things. There's a lot of competition at third, yeah, among third base, uh, third baseman. But, but Olsen does things he said he's never seen any first baseman do, including the 3-6-3 double play, the 3-6-1 double play, where most first basemen just try to get one out. This guy uh, gets gets ball to shortstop quicker than anyone uh, he's ever seen. Chapman said so. It there, it's a mutual uh, admiration society, and it's pretty cool. To, uh, yeah, but you know, if you ask these questions to them about them, they would not say anything like this. But you ask about another guy, and they they'll talk your ear off. It, it was, it's pretty funny. But yeah. yeah, that was fun, and it's uh, you know I think they had some chances in, in this wild card game. Um, and didn't come through. Uh, the A's left a bunch of guys on base. They didn't hit with runners in scoring position, and they left. Uh, you know, they you know Morton uh, was in jams inning after inning, and they let him off the hook. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a learning experience. It's still a young team in in some regard, and maybe the more they you know keep banging on the wall, they'll eventually get themselves through and go to the next round or two. Well, that's what Billy Bean said. He sort of said, you know, look, we keep having all these opportunities in the postseason. That's the main thing. You know, eventually we are going to get through. And certainly this group now has so much motivation. And I like what Shamanaya said. You know, he he initially, and I think he still, I think he feels this. He feels like he was solely responsible for that loss, which obviously he wasn't. They scored one unearned run. Um, But he said the day after the start, he said, this is seared into my head now, and I'm going to use it as motivation for next year. And I think everybody's probably taking it that way. Uh, This has always been a team that plays much better with chip on their shoulder. I think people are going to expect them to be good, which is not always necessarily a good thing for a team that likes to kind of be the underdog and come from behind kind of team. Uh, But I think that this can be sort of their chip. You know, the, the knock is we can't make it out of the first round and use that. So um, they'll be interesting. They, they, sh- they certainly should be good. Uh, and uh, you know that the front office will do some interesting things. And uh, we will be talking again, I know, during the offseason, John. But I, I think there are 
definitely even after a disappointing loss, I think there are a lot of positives that came out of the season and a lot of good things to look forward to next year. Indeed. Uh, the fact that they don't have to make any major moves or are not losing any major uh, players to free agency is is something that uh, a, a smaller payroll team uh, can get excited about. And, uh, you know, I think another year of uh, fans watching these guys, uh, I mean, I guess there was a boost of about 80,000 in attendance uh, this year. I mean, they started in Japan. That helped a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, maybe, maybe the fact that 97 wins and then 97 wins again, um, you know, could generate something. But, uh, you know, the sad fact is a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it's not like the Coliseum had 55,000 people. Nobody was up on Mount Davis. And, you know, for them to sustain any longevity or, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all that stuff, uh, they're just going to have to draw more. And maybe that means ownership would have to spend more, or maybe that means marketing has to promote more, or it means something. But, yeah. uh, I think spending more Giants is a good State, idea. And you know what? They, you know, they've, they've been so creative in some of their ticketing schemes, you know, the A's access pass and, and all of that sort of thing. Uh, the various different uh, areas around the ballpark, the new kind of, you know, the bars and standing room areas and family areas. And uh, that's all been great. Food trucks, you know, the things we've talked about sort of ad nauseum. But I think with a good team uh, and the Warriors gone, the Raiders leaving, this the A's have long been one of the better sports entertainment values in the Bay Area. But they're good, too. They're fun. They're exciting. And you're, you don't have to drop a ton of money to come see a game. You know, you can bring a family and make a day out of it, and you're not going to go broke. Uh, there are a lot of empty seats uh, at the Giants this year. They, the product was not as good. The tickets are massively expensive. Parking, food, all of that stuff. It's a huge difference between the two teams. And I think people might, at some point, they're going to start to notice, hey, there's this young, fun club with a lot of big personalities that's done some interesting things. And oh, and by the way, I can take my whole family to go, and it's not going to break the bank. So uh, that's what the A should be pushing, and certainly have been trying to push. Uh, and and at some point, I think people are going to notice. But yeah, retaining Chris Davis, and then hope you know you 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 hope like to think that they make a very strong push to retain Marcus Simeon. I think that could go a long way too. Yes, indeed, and it's up to the A's to take advantage of the Giants' payroll that has fallen and the Giants. Uh, win-loss record that has not been good for three years uh it's up to them to be creative with their marketing and win some fans that uh might not be so pleased with the pricing and the uh product over in san francisco and by the way the giants are sort of taken from the a's because they plan now to take out some seats and put a a treetop type bar (laughs) at, at their ballpark so uh so maybe the a's are figuring out some things but uh they have to do a little better job yeah well, John Shea, we will be, uh, hopefully we'll be on top of it and talking a lot more about it in the postseason and, and beyond. Thanks so much, as always, for joining us on A's Plus. Thanks, Susan. Thanks again to John Shea for joining us today. You can find John's work on sfchronicle.com and on Twitter, he's at John Shea Hay. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We will be back regularly during the offseason with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. 
Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.